week's Games Alive show is brought to you by our patrons. Um, what the fuck are you doing here? Oh, uh, I just let myself <laughs> in and I thought I would plug the show for you guys through... Get out! Games. Get out right now! Games. Get out! How many times have I to tell you this? Uh, Patreon.com slash Games Media. You should go there and you should sign up and get some sweet perks for the show and support them. Are you guys mad at me? Clearly mark the radio dial setting at MotorCityGaming.com Do not use your phone. It must be reserved for vital emergency messages so that you can receive official news and civil defense instructions on the Conrad frequency used in your area. Your life may depend on this. The last line of defense in major gaming news. Gamezilla Alpha. Prepare to take shelter and obey instructions instantly. This is the underground resistance. Join the Alpha Force. This is the plan to help you and others who need you. A plan to live, to work, and fight as did your forefathers. Now, let's check the plan together step by step. Gamezilla Alpha. Welcome to episode 46 of GameZilla Alpha. I'm your host, Grimlock, and with me in the GameZilla Media Studios is no one because Jazzy Fiddle had better things to do. But no, in all honesty, we have a special interview for you today, and we're just making a quick intro so that we can get to this interview real fast. So, Without further ado, I want to introduce episode 46. It is an interview focusing on non-player characters, a comedy that is going on right now at Go Comedy in Ferndale, Michigan, and we interviewed the creators, PJ and Keith. So let's get into it and listen to about uh, non-player characters, about comedy, uh, and about the business Go Comedy. We're going to hear all of that, as well as people picking their favorite characters, NPCs, and just talking a little bit about their history in gaming. All right, let's get into it. All right, it's Ethan, also known as the Deadite Knight for GameZilla Media here, and we're uh, on location, surprisingly in a classroom at Go Comedy in Ferndale, Michigan. Uh, for our listeners uh, around the world and around the country, uh, Go Comedy here becoming really uh, a prominent a comedy the. venue. The, the premiere. You guys can hold the mic a little closer. The premiere. Yeah, I like that. The premiere comedy venue here in the greater Detroit area. Uh, and, uh, you know, we've been talking leading up on GameZilla Alpha and the GameZilla podcast uh, about a show. And we're here with the creators of this show, uh, Non-Player Characters. And it's a video game-based comedy show. And... Uh, I also have Grim and Jazzy, the the hosts of the GameZilla podcast, for the conversation today. Jason and John, using those government names here today, uh, and uh, we have our, our guests, the creators. We have PJ and Keith here today, fellas. Thanks for uh, giving us the time and having us out. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. you being here. We're gonna turn your levels up a little bit more. I'll step a little farther back. <laughs> yeah, don't be shy. We'll leave that out. Don't be shy about it. Uh, so. First off, before we get into talking about the show and really diving into what it took to make this uh, this program, uh, I'd like to know a little bit about you guys. Okay. Uh, well, uh, my name is P.J. Jacobs. Uh, I'm the, one of the owners <coughs> here at Go Comedy. Um, I've been open about 10 years now. Uh, started back in uh, 
back in 2008, so we're coming up on our anniversary. Oh, very, very, very bold coming out of the recession. Yeah, oh yeah, no, it was, uh, <laughs> it was downright uh, stupid, but it worked. <laughs> Here we are today, so uh, thank God for that. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I um, love comedy. Um, I love I love video games. Uh, I've been playing since the Atari days. Uh, so uh, when Keith, you know, uh, brought this play to to me to to consider for go, it was. Uh, from I mean, right from the beginning, it was something I was really excited to to put up. Yeah, that's uh, so my, my name's Keith. Um, I've been a performer at Go for six or seven years or so on the resident cast. Mm-hmm. Um, I I have a real job also. I work I work I work with computers, um, but I am definitely you know I'm a I'm a I'm a Born in 1970, so I lived through the the heyday of video games, at least in my opinion. Yeah. So I, w- I was an arcade rat all through, you know, middle school and high school, and uh, then I was uh, moved up through different consoles, and then played a lot of Skyrim. <laughs> <laughs> and that's more than anything else. That's really what began to inspire the the ideas that became non-player characters. Skyrim has taken many lives, uh, specifically. Uh Jason's wife's life. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, my my wife, her, her favorite game is Skyrim to the point where our first uh, dog that we have, his uh, he was born on 11, 11, 11. So when we know when we figured that out, it was uh, you know we had to get the dog. Like that was that was that was pretty much the rule. But she plays it to this day. I, I don't know how many hundreds of hours she has into it, but yeah, Skyrim. It's a special game. I mean, it's really. Uh, look how old it is it just came out on nintendo switch and it still grabs people that have never played it and they love it so um i can't say enough about that game so 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 keith you you wrote the show yeah that's what i'm taking from it now what you know you said skyrim was a game that was inspirational because we we just got done watching the show and uh you know i think we all had a good time had a good laugh with it Uh, what other than Skyrim, were there other games that maybe drew inspiration, or you know, what was your mindset like? How did you come up with the idea to make this a comedy show? Uh, well, I mean, comedy is pretty much what I do, uh, at least in the in, in my you know as, as my hobby or as my my kind of my outside passion. Um, but you know, you, you you play Skyrim and you spend a lot of time, inordinate amount of time doing doing stupid things like you know uh, forging armor or picking up books and carrying them from one dresser to another and it was sort of all of that minutia uh, and of course the non player characters that you bump into along the way that I, I could I couldn't really get that out of my head just uh, the, the the time spent in those carefully constructed buildings in each carefully constructed village um, but then you know as a uh, you know, as a player, you wander through, but, but all, all the non-player characters—they're just—they're just stuck there, <laughs> constantly, constantly stuck in a loop. And you know, we're we're trying hard to not give away too much what happened here with the show. Um, yeah, but, but based on the title, you probably get you get some sense of what's you know what's what's going. On. Yeah, you you get to see a glimpse within the lives when the the hero character or the character that you play is the you know, the, the player character. And, and uh, so his, uh, his name is main character. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, um, you, you get to a little bit of a glimpse in, in, into your imagination, into what you you think they, how they would fill their time, and um, if you could go a little bit more into 
um, how you sort of constructed the the basis for how you filled out their lives. Yeah, sure, I mean it's, and I, I won't I won't give away all the all the the you know tantalizing details of the show, but it, it began with the mechanics of it, and I mean that's where the where the show begins is is sort of watching a traditional interaction between a main character and the non-player characters unfold. And then when the main character leaves, that's sort of where you know imagination takes over, in terms of all right, well, what you know, what do they think about, you know, these these player characters who come through, um, they're stuck in their loop. The player characters can seem to do whatever they want. What you know, what kind of uh, what kind of dichotomy does that create? And it, you know, it, it gives rise to some interesting philosophical philosophical discussion. And that's what, what for me, that's the the part I kind of can't wait to get to. Is when they is when they start looking inward at their lives, the, you know, the characters on stage. So, I, I just watched the show and I took away a couple things. NPCs are something that always get overlooked when you think of like game design. People talk about how the graphics look and how good the story is, but you don't realize how much the NPC. Play, you know, is the cause of that story. So, you know, when I think of game recent games like Horizon Zero Dawn, it's I'm playing that right now. There, there we go. Yeah, the the NPCs of that game are the t- storytellers. They are literally playing the story for you that you, that's driving you to try to get to the end. But I also took away my feeling on this was that it reminded me a lot of Wreck It Ralph. It reminded me of even Toy Story in some ways. You know, that idea of like a secondary life um, and almost a way to like cope. You know, um, with with the situation. So that those are a couple things that definitely hit me when when I watched the show and when when the show was announced. You know, and, and we started talking to you. Even even uh, like. I wasn't looking at NPCs the way I am now. So the show has even affected me where I'm playing a game and I'm looking at it differently. Yeah, no, I, like I said, I'm, I'm playing Horizon Zero Dawn right now, and every time I run by some maid and just ignore her, I'm like, oh, she probably has a family. <laughs> <laughs> what are her dreams and aspirations? Yeah, oh, no, she just says the same thing over and over again. But, uh, but yeah, no, it, it really did. It, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of impressive. I mean, having put all this time into the show, now going back to video games afterwards, it really has affected the way I, I see the, the NPCs. Now, now, PJ, I want to ask you, when when Keith comes to you and says, hey, I have an idea for this show, how, how does it go? Did, did he present an entire script? Um, or, you know, did he say, hey, I have this idea. How we how do we make this happen? T- tell me a little bit about that process. Um, so, it, I mean, it was a it was a, a weirder process than usually happens here. There was a lot of time in between it. So he brought he brought in the script. Um, and it took me a while to get so to I it. brought it like 15 years okay, ago. Okay, it wasn't that long ago. brought it before Skyrim uh, came out. <laughs> <laughs> they owe you money. Bethesda owes you a little bit of cash. Um, but uh, he brought the script, and uh, once I read it, like I, I, was, I was on board with it right away. Um, we went back and forth with, I mean, maybe two other drafts. Um, right. From what he originally, I mean, I mean, major drafts from yeah. what he originally sent. Um, and then uh, we started to talk cast, and we had a table read. Actually, this this very table that we're sitting at, Ooh. Uh, four others with a big cast. Um, and so we did a table read, and uh, when we did that, it was still um, it was a, a bit longer than we wanted it to be. So we did another another full draft um, uh, of editing uh, to get it down to about the forty five minute mark, which is what we were shooting for. Um, and then once you know, once you start rehearsing with a show like this, especially when the author's in the room, it's um, it gives you a lot more leeway to 
um, make changes on the fly. Like once you start to learn about who these characters are um, and what the actors are bringing to it, uh, you get a, a better feeling for you know what uh, what's what is gonna what, where you need a laugh line or where you need to remove a laugh line because the moment you know there's some there's some, there's some strong moments in the show uh, and that you can't treat all of them. Uh, so lightly uh, so there certainly are jokes that we pulled out because they just didn't land where they were in those moments that's one thing I've always thought uh, was really interesting about um, comedy as uh, as entertainment is the way that jokes are timed out um, so there are parts in this show like you just said that, that do reach a, a little bit of a, an emotional point a heavy point which I know for me was a little unexpected coming into the show because I didn't expect to f- have r- a real moments watching a show about non-player characters and uh, this might be a good question for Keith when you were crafting this story um, you know what was your, what was your mindset in in creating a, an actual emotional moment within this sort of silly contact uh, silly sort of world actually may I for a second yeah um, so uh, this is PJ not Keith <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> um, but I um you know, because when I read it, uh, so I mean, Keith has a, a daughter who just left for college, um, and, the, and the main characters in the show are a, a tavern uh, innkeeper and, uh, and his daughter, uh, who's looking to, to find her own adventures. Uh, and so, for the longest time, I was approaching this as uh, Keith writing a love letter to his daughter, who was about to go out into the real world. Uh, and then maybe three weeks ago, I was like, oh, I just think it's so so great that you wrote this love letter to your daughter. And he was like, oh, oh, yeah, I guess, I guess it is. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Um, <laughs> although it is, it, 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 to, to that end, when I used to, when I would picture it, I would picture myself as the innkeeper. So there's definitely some, some truth to that. Uh, but in terms of like how it became dramatic, uh, when I started thinking about, you know, all right, think about the, the, the people that you pass by in any of these games. And all I could think about were all of the all of the horrible tragedies they have to go through, <laughs> as their buildings get destroyed and they they get killed for no reason, and there's no consequence to them getting killed for the most part, uh, and that that's really what one of the things that I actually thought was sort of darkly funny mm-hmm. was they they are bystanders this, in this ridiculous dangerous dangerous world where their life doesn't really have a lot of value, and that's going to give you an interesting perspective. Yeah, most definitely. Um, so another thing that I liked about the show, well, and you know, again, I don't know if this was in in design from the writing process or if this was something came around while you guys were collaborating to actually put it on. But the act, the way the story was told through a perspective of you, we have uh, scenes of the gamer that were projected up onto the screen in the background. Um, and the and then there was a relationship outside of the game that was that you were seeing unfold. Um, did that come from some real life experience? And and what was the the voice behind that and the decision to tell the story in that way? Yeah, well, I think the and it's not giving away too much to say that the it, when you're watching the show, the the non-player characters, the the people in the game are live actors, while the humans playing the game are are on a video screen. Um, and that was sort of one of the what I thought the first thing that sort of struck me when I wrote this was oh that would be that would be kind of a cool conceit because you see it's backwards. Normally the real people mm-hmm. are in the real world. Yeah, but you can see where that was going with that. Um, but for to kind of answer your question, the the people who are playing, I figure that's as near as I can tell that's everyone's experience with a game like this. I mean, who who doesn't play? And for me, a game like Skyrim 
to the annoyance of everyone around them. It's it's a one-player game. Uh, n no one that I know can tolerate watching someone play it for lengthy amounts of time, particularly when all you're doing is trying to build up, you know, enough enough smith points to finally craft the dragon armor or whatever it is you need to do. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it, there there's there, there there's nothing more alienating. So to me, that seemed like yeah, that was my experience of annoying my my, my lovely wife when I played. Uh, but I got to figure that's everyone's experience. When Skyrim came out, um, my wife, obviously, that's when we all bought, we, we had separate PS3s at that point, right? And we set up two TVs, two systems, and then my friend came over with a TV and a PS3. We had three TVs, three systems, and we didn't speak to each other for 10 hours. With toddlers, that's called parallel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I t we definitely understand um, the 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 focus down that's the one thing I've always said about Elder Scrolls and Elder Scrolls Online tried to solve that was God this game would be crazy if it was multiplayer co-op you know but um but yeah it, we would just sit there with three TVs and we're all at the same part of the game we would try not to get ahead of each other because we didn't want to ruin it for anybody <laughs> but we wanted to be in the same room for some reason and not talk to each other so yeah so uh, another thing that I thought was was interesting about this show that I would be interested to know, you know, what what your thoughts are is, you know, you talked about, you know, the casting process and, you know, I'm sure when you write things, you have ideas in your head about, oh, this is, you know, uh, who, you know, who could play this character or something because you're, you're familiar with the, the, the various people that hang around and, and work here at Go Comedy. Um, were there things that the cast contributed to this that you know added to the show that you feel? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and not just the cast. I mean, I'm I, I'm honored that it says you know written by Keith Fagan uh, on the poster, but a, a lot of really good lines were were not written by Keith Fagan. <laughs> I mean, I, I I wrote I wrote the the first whatever nine drafts of the script, but PJ gave a lot of really a lot of really good joke bombs are in there because PJ and then you got a cast of improvisers and once they understand the character they're they're going to insert their own you know their 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 own take on things including some of their own lines and it's and it's a beautiful thing some of the funniest some of the, the funniest uh, asides and one-liners were were sort of collaborative efforts from the group and so it is a lot of fun to see that happen and then sometimes a little maddening to see it keep happening over and over and over again. That's something I was wondering because um, I could maybe at times be a little over controlling with some things. <laughs> so there would be points where I think maybe that'd be something for me that would be difficult is to give up some of the control and allow the creativity of others. And I think these guys would agree that maybe sometimes I'm bad at that. Um, so you know, you spoke you know, highly of the co the collaborative effort of the process. Uh, was that something that that took a little bit for you to to give up? But you know, you guys have been doing yeah. this a while. Yes, it did. <laughs> also, uh, it was about twice as long when I gave the first draft to PJ. So you were going for a feature length film here. <laughs> yeah. so it, was, it was a two act comedy yeah. the first, at the beginning. Uh, yeah, and so we we we, we PJ correctly cut mercilessly where where it needed to be cut and. That definitely there were I mean there were some, some darlings were killed along the way, including I, mean, I got to talk about my favorite joke that's that 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 was cut during the last run through before we did the the public performance, 
where there was a phenomenal reference to Gauntlet in the game, oh. including the actual. We we had the soundbite of Warrior dropped the uh, Warrior <laughs> shot the food, <laughs> <laughs> and it just it just it didn't it, it didn't work quite right. And I, I thought it was the funniest thing in the world, and really very few other people recognized what it was. You know, uh, my uncle for my birthday when I was a kid, he gave me his NES, you know, four player four controller tap and that game. Oh, so man. I. I played a lot of Gauntlet when I was a kid. Yeah. You, you would have had me in stitches over no, that it was, one. I mean, it was it was a, a totally solid bit. And the thing was, uh, I mean, up until like, the week before we opened, we didn't have all of the sound cues in place. So it was either Keith and I, you know, saying it every time. Uh, but then when we actually got the actual sound cue, it's so 8-bit. I mean, it, it's, yeah. so, it's, yeah. it's so just chunky. Uh, and it just sounded terrible. Like, it just didn't it didn't fit in this world. Um, but it was a shame. I mean, I was always pro-gauntlet <laughs> joke. I don't want to give the wrong impression. Uh, Did you guys hear joke. that PJ is anti-gauntlet joke? Yeah, yeah. No, no, it's not true. It's not true. <laughs> <laughs> get, get, get your Twitters out. Let's tell everyone here. <laughs> um, no, and I, 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 you know, I... We are an improv theater first, uh, and everyone in the cast, are, like you said, are, are very skilled improvisers. Um, and I, and that's, I mean, there's a beauty to creating uh, collaboratively. You should, you should try it. Uh, <laughs> there's been a hard sell to get me to come back ever since we got here. Um, I already meant the collaboration, but improv. Uh. <laughs> uh, um, uh, because I mean, if you if you build this thing together and the cast has some ownership as well, I mean, it's 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 it be, it becomes more special to everybody because we have we have built this show, all of us, and it's not. I mean, it's the cast, Keith and myself, uh, our stage manager uh, who has the one great line, uh, with the one great word, uh, <laughs> uh, and it's our, you know our tech designer who who built the the set and our costume designer. I mean, like there's so many people that go into making the show look and sound and feel the way that it does. Um, that uh, for me, it's just a lot more rewarding when we've all done this together in the end. Well, you know, what were some of the challenges for creating this show that would be different from other shows that you guys have done in the past? Um, the, the coordination of screen versus yeah, live. I mean, having having screen and live uh, working together. I mean, in the original script there was a lot more like jokes that were set up by the video and back and forth. Uh, and just the, with the time constraint we had, uh, and you know, if some if the audience is laughing, the video doesn't hold for laughs. Uh, the actors know too, but so um, we certainly had to make a lot of changes. Um, we took most of the um, there's a lot of uh, head of this part uh, <laughs> down the toilet. Great. Uh, no, there's uh, there's a lot of moments that are now uh, audio files. That is the the gamer on the screen thinking these things rather than saying them because it was just going to be too difficult to weave that all together. But if it's a sound cue, you know, it's just in his head and you hit the button and it all plays out right. So that, I think that was certainly the hardest hardest thing to coordinate was getting those two is, to work together as, as well as I, as I think they do. And that's one of the things that I was thinking while watching the show. Uh, you know, when we transition from you know, you see uh, our our player on the screen to uh, you know our cast on the stage telling the story, and then you know when those few cues would come in that were you know the thoughts of the player. The, the timing really did seem spot on. That was one thing I was going to ask you guys, you know, how you made that decision. So it's cool to know that it was a timing thing. And, and I'd like to actually ask about um, the importance of 
the timing in putting on a comedy show just in general like how, how much do you think that has to play in with the um, the enjoyment of the jokes all of it i mean i mean timing is everything i mean comedy is music in its own way um and the beats have to be right or it's gonna sound like shit uh and in comedy um i mean timing is, is literally everything i mean some jokes if you say them too fast they don't work if you if you wait too long they don't work if you split them amongst lines they don't work um and there's really there's really a, a melody uh, that is in comedy that, that you, you may not see it when you're watching it, but you, we have to be hyper aware of it on our side to make sure that the jokes land the hardest. I mean, I, I always talk about <clears throat> um, comedy being a lot like math. Um, a perfect joke is two plus three equals five, but there are a lot of jokes out there that are two plus three equals 4.9. And they're funny, but they're not right. Uh, and when you really land, when you land on the right right combination, um, it really takes it to a whole different level. Than I mean, if you watch like you know new stand-ups, like they they're technically jokes, but they're not they're not great. Uh, and it's until it's really honed uh, and you put the practice and the time to make sure every word, every syllable is perfect. And I, I mean, as much as, as it is a collaboration, I'm also um, there are lines of dialogue that need to be said. Exactly right. I mean, like, it, 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 this is not Shakespeare. Um, Keith may disagree, um, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, but the but, better. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. Eat shit, say Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> Only I go comedy. Um, he had very few video game references in his work, but, <laughs> <laughs> but he did create the word video game. That's uh, true. So um, no, but but you know, but there's that rhythm to Shakespeare, and and some lines of dialogue and some jokes really do have that rhythm built into them, and if they're not said with the right cadence, uh, you're hearing a different joke every time. Uh, all right. Do you guys have any questions right now? Give So growing up, um, you guys were playing video games since you were very small. And uh, th through all the consoles, you said, obviously, you've had to have played a ton of video games. Um, I lost seven and a half years of my life to World of Warcraft. Um, and it's funny to know that, like, you could run into the same town and you can go sell your, your shit that you've gathered to like 400 people in this city, but you always go to the same one for some reason. <laughs> so I just kind of want to know, out of all of the games from when you first started playing video games till current day, do you guys have a favorite NPC of your own? And what, what makes that NPC so special to you? Wow. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, that's, that's easy because when I was playing Skyrim, it's, it's Lydia. Who, who, who gets who is referenced in the in yeah. the player characters, and because and, and you know I'm 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 older I'm of a, I'm of a different generation probably I mean my the, the the console that most sucked up my time was the 2600, um, and so you know I, I didn't I didn't grow up with uh, with you know the the the, the, the multiplayer games, and then when I when I started playing again you know in my early 40s whenever I started playing Skyrim the idea of uh, a non-player character who actually joined you and has at least passable dialogue with you and you know and of course somewhat sarcastic dialogue sometimes I thought was really kind of a revelation so for, for, for me it's definitely her 
Well, I still haven't figured out how I marry her, which I know is possible. But I've never, I've never, I've somehow never, never accomplished the right side quest to make that happen. That's the reason I'm wearing a ring. Yeah. Understandable. I'll, I'll have, I'll have my wife contact you. I'm sure she knows. So. <laughs> Uh, what about you, PJ? Do you have a, you have an answer for this one? Um, no, I don't. I don't know that I do. Uh, it's a tough question. I knew I had a feeling you that Jazzy was going to ask it, but it's a tough question. Yeah, yeah no, I don't know that I do. Uh, and I have, I have big gaps in, in my in my game playing days, um, and um, there's only really a handful of of, uh, of these games that I that I've played. Like I I, I like um, I was always more into like. Um, Ratchet and Clank and uh, Crash Bandicoot. Uh, okay, that was that was more my jam. Absolutely. <laughs> so I mean, a good. My dog's name is Sly Cooper. Like that. Oh, there yeah. you go. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um. I mean, a good a good sidekick for Ratchet and Clank is Clank. Yeah, yeah. That's you know, Clank's good. solid. Um. <laughs> so, growing up in the game in, in the gaming, uh, Mario or Sonic? Like, what what, what are your what are your uh, choices here? Um. I mean, for me, it's. Uh, Oh wow! That's I, I was going to say Mario at the gate, but now I'm uh, now <laughs> hearing the coins scatter from Sonic. Um, no, I think it's the Mario. I mean, my first the first system I bought with my own money was the Nintendo. Okay. And uh, the first well the the first time that I beat Super Mario Brothers, uh, my sister unplugged it as I was crossing the bridge with Bowser, um, <laughs> and she's still alive. She's doing well. Uh, I was only, you know, nine or whatever, but... Um, <laughs> that was the only reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, I haven't been that mad in my entire life. Um, but uh, but also with Mario, it's something that, I mean, I've, I've got a 12-year-old, so sort of being able to pass, like, those games over to him and Mario Kart, like, there's a lot of stuff that we shared when he was younger. Um, so I think on an emotional level, Mario is, is more important, but I... I played the shit out of Sonic. I mean, okay. So. <laughs> yeah. It's a tough... Yeah. yeah. What about you, Keith? Oh, uh, yeah. But definitely... Between those two, it's definitely Mario. Still Mario. Okay. Yeah. But it's, again, it's the... You know, it's the... It's the Donkey Kong Mario. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> the playing cards. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, that was now the, the, the stuff that I play with 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 uh, with my, my my youngest daughter is uh, sophomore in high school, and we we do we play Portal and we play some games like that, which are a lot of fun, which is very very different from uh, from what I used to play. I was gonna say, yeah, absolutely, very different. Uh, and then I guess I can probably guess your favorite console of all time. Uh, was is twenty six hundred? Yeah, it's gotta be. So if that, so since we know that answer, and you admitted that you were an arcade rat, what is your favorite arcade cabinet? Oh, a favorite cabinet would be, man, it's tough because there's, I've, I've got a few different ones. Okay. Um, I was, I was insane for Zaxxon. Okay. Yep. Fantastic. Um, when the Star Wars console came out. Uh, also, just extraordinary. Yep. And it was man, that that, that one just been. And then when when it came out, Gauntlet, because that was the first time I ever had a multiplayer game where it really felt like you were all playing at the same time, and it wasn't just like a, a two just a two person <laughs> you know, fighting game. Right. Yeah. It was the first like multiplayer collaborative game that I that I, I think that there was. I mean that that was that was it back then. It was yeah. The the uh, multiplayer tap came out and. There was only what like three games on about seven hundred and ninety-eight NES games that used the the four player tap. So you spent premium dollars on this device that did nothing. Um, I gotta shout out to Joust too, because that was Oh yes, Joust so good. Um do you have a favorite uh, cabinet, PJ? Um I I mean the Simpsons yeah. owns the most of my quarters. Okay. Um uh also I, I love Burger Time. Yeah, uh, well, <laughs> that's my game. Yeah, um, 
Just yeah, just so simple and and pure. Um, but this, this, this would be my one. Okay, uh, absolutely. Yeah, my my favorite is uh, the X Men. Uh, arcade cabinet, but it was the double screen. Yeah. I don't know if you remember, it would take up a whole wall yeah, practically. Yeah. But you could be Colossus, and I was like, I would loved him, and he was in nothing else but that game. So yeah, that took all my quarters. So were, did you did you get to have the experience of going to an arcade when it was jammed with people? When an arcade was a social center? So yeah, I was pretty young still, and by the time we're like, you know, my parents would drop me off at the mall type deal or whatever and it was kind of dying so you know we we kind of missed it i would say i mean it's like you 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 got so much better technology than we did but the for the the the, the pure experience the pure hopped up hormonal experience of being a, like a 14 year old boy in an arcade in 1984 there was i mean there was nothing like that yeah see i remember the days of like you know mortal Kombat hitting the arcade and you you're parents would be like we're going shopping meet us here in an hour right and you everybody would line their quarters up on the machine and get ready to fight each other and like like i love arcades and i wish they were more prominent now but um you know that's why i still support marvin's uh you know pinball pete's and anywhere i can go and, and get my pinball fix or an arc or some classic arcade fix i'm all about it but yeah um it is it does when you watch like Stranger Things or or where they're, where they're trying to like portray this arcade and you're like, damn, I missed that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I totally missed that. <laughs> yeah, the, the experience. I mean, one of the images that burned in my mind from that that era is when Dragon's Lair showed up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When you said they had two screens, Dragon's Lair had the screen you played on, but it had a second screen <laughs> up above so the crowd could see what was going on. <laughs> and there would be 20 kids gathered around this as one person, you know, to waste a quarter. So the game was terrible. But <laughs> people would, would just, it, it was so mesmerizing. It was so unlike anything else that, anything that we'd seen at the time. Am, am I right that the, a Dragon's Lair used laser disc technology? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It looks beautiful, but I'm sure it plays plays real awful. Just give it a second for that next segment to load up. <laughs> yeah, you, they would have made more money if they could have just shaved down the load times a little bit on that one. Uh, to sort of step away from video games for a second and talk about comedy, are there uh, a few either comedians or writers that you guys say would, you know, are you the people that inspire you? I just want to know a little bit more about your comedic heroes um i mean steve martin was always my number one uh i mean not only as a comedian but he was um an artist and an author and an actor and a philosopher i mean uh, i always wanted more out of this than just an idiot making jokes uh and he he's, he's always been um uh you know the the guy for me uh He's always been very smart about it, but still willing to be a goofy idiot. And like, I, and like Monty Python, I mean, that's that, for me. It's always about the balance between being really smart and really stupid at the same time. If you can, you know, uh, quote Socrates while farting, like the, you know, <laughs> there's just that balance that, I, that I've always appreciated. It's just, it's just there's a there's a depth to it that I that I like. Um, and, and, and fairly, there's a, to not subtly bring it all back. There's a depth to NPC that I really like. Um, and it was, it's, it's one of the reasons that I'm so proud of the show is that uh, you know, there still are a ton of video game references and moments that are very true, but also uh, on a deeper level, it's about you know what we're really capable of. Uh, so there's uh, 
uh, spiritual journey tucked away in this, um, you know, tale of, of Dungeons and Dragons. When you talk about the combination of, you know, something profound with a fart joke, that's the reason I'm a huge early, early Simpsons era, like fanatic. I was, that was my favorite show growing up because I think they did that so well. And, you know, putting a joke that actually made you think in with Homer getting hit in the head with a football, you know, like that sort of stuff. It just, it was so well put together. And yeah, I can see that sort of juxtaposition here within that show. Well, I don't have a good answer because I would have said Steve Martin also. Oh. So thanks. Copycat. Yeah, none of that. None of that here. You better come up with something on the fly. <laughs> Improv something. <laughs> You'd be like, well, you know, I was really uh, inspired by uh, Tracy Morgan. <laughs> I guess for me, it goes back, you know, seven, eight years ago when I first saw PJ Jacobs. Oh. <laughs> There'll be none of that here. There'll be none. <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. Yeah. It was both the Socrates and the farting. <laughs> Guys, any, uh, <laughs> I, you know, now that we've talked about Socrates and farting, I mean, uh, this, this, this interview has plateaued a little bit for me here. So, you need f- a lot of Greek food. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. <laughs> so to, to get the train back on the tracks here a little bit. <laughs> Have you guys already thought about if there could be a sequel or if you would dive back into the video game realm uh, for a future production? Don't you, if, I mean, I don't want to you know, get a hot scoop here. You guys have a look in your eye like I'm about to get it. You know, <laughs> I did broach the idea of a sequel to, to PJ. <laughs> Before we even opened the first yes. one. Yeah, all right. I have a good feeling about this. <laughs> you, you, you were confident going in here. I said, if anyone likes it at all, I'd like to. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if we'd revisit it. Um, I, I can think of other, I can think of other stories to tell with the same characters. I think the trick would be how do you do it without. Without without hitting the same so many of the same beats of you know the you know, the nature of the the video game conceit, uh, and you know I, honestly I wouldn't have thought that I would say that say that when I wrote the thing, but in part it's you know seeing the cast bring it to life and saying wow I really genuinely like all of those characters that have been created and I do want to see more of them, and I, I you know. I wouldn't mind taking away the video game component and just having a having a show with those with those characters. I don't know if they can do that. Maybe they travel through the television. Sort of like the He-Man movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cinematic gold. <laughs> I'm glad now that we brought up my favorite movie ever. Let's talk about it. Uh, fellas, do you have any questions before we start to wrap things up here? No, I just want to say uh, great job on the show. I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, we were super lucky that we've come to Go Comedy many times to see our friends and to see, you know, and to be entertained. But uh, when it finally hits home with some video game content, we we were like, this is win win for us. We're we're in the sweet spot right now. Because so. we're not being made fun of. So, yeah. So <laughs> I just want to say thanks for having us out and great job on the show. Thanks. Yeah, I'd just like to second that. Um, the when they brought it to me saying non-playable characters it made me instantly think about like every non-playable character that I've come across in video games and I was like I really 
have all these stories in my head of like things that have happened to me in video games and to be able to come here and basically see a story that you guys have laid out and see how well it was put together and how well it was done is just awesome thank you so this is going to play throughout the month of March. Am I correct on that? Like, give me, give me the, give me the spiel here. Let's let's try and get some people in the door. Sure, uh, you can see it every Thursday in March uh, at eight o'clock, uh, closing night though, March 29th. Uh, it'll be at nine thirty. Uh, tickets are ten dollars. You can get them at GoComedy.net, uh, where you can find tickets for all of our wonderful shows. Not all video game related, but still all fun. How was that first spiel? I, li- I, I liked it. Uh, so, .net, uh, So Are there social media platforms for Go Comedy? Oh, yeah. We're on all of them. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Friendster. Uh, no, Snapchat. Zanga? Uh, Zanga. I yeah. know that one. Oh, yeah. It was, it was like a blog thing that was really bad from the early 2000s. <laughs> it was after Friendster, but yeah. before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and for people that you know, obviously our audience is going to be you know salivating to to get here and enjoy a uh, a video game based show. But how many other nights a week is there comedy happening at Go Comedy? Uh, we are open every Wednesday through Sunday. Um, it's a, a really wide uh, variety of lineup. Um, we have. Um Storytelling night. We have a, a, a political satire show that's going on in the room behind us while we record this. Um, our main show is like a "Whose Line Is It Anyway" type show on Saturdays. Um, but we uh, long form short, long form improv, short form improv, uh, plays like this. I mean, we really try and and put um, sketch. sketch comedy, um, avant garde stuff. Um, we really try and give as many people a voice here as we can and. Um, and, and put up a lot of uh, fun, different different opportunities. Now, let's say that there was someone listening to this podcast or conducting this interview that, that wanted to get involved in uh, learning more about improv. How would they do that? It's actually funny you should mention it. Uh, no, uh, we were full. We are not full. Oh, There's always room. Uh, actually, we might be full this semester. But, um, <laughs> Shut it down. Shut the whole thing down. <laughs> Next semester. Um, no, we have uh, uh, Go You, the Improv Academy. Um, uh, we teach um, improv. We teach uh, uh, sketch writing. Um, it's about a two-year program, uh, eight weeks at a time. Um, uh, pretty much anyone here started with improv classes. I mean, I started uh, at the Second City, Detroit, um, about twenty years, uh, over twenty years ago now. Um, and improv classes, I mean, whether you want to get on stage or not, uh, really can change your life for the better. It gives you confidence. Uh, it helps you uh, learn how to talk to other people. It's great for social skills. Um, I was such a quiet nerd when I was a kid, uh, and it, I mean, it really. My, it, He's a much louder nerd. I'm now. such a loud nerd. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Keith. Um, but uh, I mean, the classes are—it's an amazing opportunity. And whether, like I said, whether you ever want to step foot on stage, uh, it really can do so much for for your outlook on life. Um, Oh, yeah, I was just nodding along. I know, I just wanted to get that recorded. Absolutely. Uh, PJ's absolutely right. I mean, I've got a a real-life professional career, and I I consider my improv background as one of the reasons that I've been successful in my professional career. Um, I mean, I'm a a tech nerd by day, but I'm also a a tech nerd who is absolutely fine getting up and speaking speaking to people and communicating in a way that frequent, you know, quite frequently a lot of other people can't and that's really all about all about improv training 
All right. Well, guys, thank you so much for having us out. PJ and Keith here at Go Comedy for their show, non-player characters, all through March here at Go Comedy in Ferndale, Michigan, and that was GoComedy.net. Go ahead. Never dot com. And I can't not do my, my plug. Uh, oh, of yeah. course. Yeah, plug away. This isn't the only thing I've written. Jesus. Mute the mics. <laughs> <laughs> no, if you're interested, yeah. I, I, I wrote a novel called The, the Bone Eaters. Uh, it is a it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a thrilling ride. It's part romance, part mystery, part comedy, part horror. A little something for everybody. Uh, and check werewolves the, and and werewolves. Uh, ch- check it out. And you, you had me now. Now you got werewolves. You got me. Books are sold electronically. You can find the Bone Eaters by Keith Fagan. Please check it out. And now is that fifth grade reading level as well? I mean, we talked about that earlier. It's got a lot of pages. Nice. All right. Then that that'll, that'll be about. I'll, I'll read it to you. Don't thank worry. you. That's what I'm talking about. If you could record it, so I could listen as I fall asleep or call me on my phone and read it to me. That'd be great. Uh, so again, gocomedy.net, order your tickets, uh, non-player characters every Thursday through March. So come on out, see the show. You will have a laugh. You'll have a great time. And PJ Keith, thank you so much for having us out to the show and being on the podcast. Thank you so well, much. Thanks for having us. All right. So that was Keith and PJ, the creators of non-player characters show going on right now. Go comedy in Ferndale, Michigan. And we want to remind everybody that March 15th, March 22nd and March 29th are your final three dates for this show. So if you want to catch it, it's 8 p.m. on the 15th and the 22nd and 9.30 p.m. on the 29th. We have now seen the show. It is fantastic. We highly recommend it. If you are a video game fan, you will love it. If you're a comedy fan, you will love it. And if you're not into either one of those, you will love it. So, yeah, please check it out. We um, we had a great time hanging out with the two guys. Uh enjoying the show and all around just um, you know having having a great time so we want to thank them once again for taking the time out of their day to uh, sp- you know interview with us and we want to remind everybody you can see everything that's going on at go comedy on their website gocomedy.net and as PJ says don't ever go to gocomedy.com don't do it he knows. But thank you, everybody. This has been episode 46 of the GameZilla Alpha podcast. We appreciate all the support from our patrons, from our fans. And if you want to keep the conversation going, join the Discord. It's free. Talk with gamers from around the world every day. Just go to our website, GameZillaMedia.com. I'm not going to keep us any longer. It's been a great show. Thanks, everybody that was involved. And we'll see you next time. Until then... Game on.